All right, y'all can be seated. Hey, uh, this morning I want you guys to give a huge, warm YU welcome to our author in residence, Dr. Tim McNeese. Hey, everybody. Retirement's good, by the way. I'm missing you as much as you miss me. Now, it's really cool to now be in a place where, you know, we can get up, my wife and I, in the morning and kind of, we can do whatever we want. We can, hey, let's, let's just drive out to Colorado. Yeah, let's drive out to Colorado. We haven't done that, but we could. We could do that any time during the week, you know. But anyway, here's how much of imagination I'm lacking. <clears throat> We actually did schedule a trip to Branson during spring break. I don't actually have a spring break technically, but you know, that's how I'm thinking. It is what it is. Uh, staying busy here and there, not that you have to care. Uh, working on a display for the uh, museum uh, on the Greeks. So if you've been to the Roman Museum, uh, come down three weeks from today, we'll premiere that. Uh, that's that's going to be a cool exhibit, by the way. Dr. Seifelein, you see here, there he is. Been working on this for several uh, months, actually. So anyway, so stay tuned on that one. Uh, how many of you consider yourselves to be confident people? Really? Are the rest of you just on your phones? Is that the deal? <laughs> Uh, confidence is one of those tricky things. Um, it's good to be confident. Yes, I think we'd all agree to that. Good to be confident. Not good to be confident in what? In the wrong things. That's where we mess up. We get confident in the wrong things. Uh, the pages of history are littered with the bones of the overly confident. Napoleon goes marching off into Russia, gets his clock cleaned. Hundreds of thousands of people die. Hitler does the same thing 140 years later. Off we go to Russia, and he loses hundreds of thousands of men. He's overly confident. Confident in the wrong thing. Uh, I'm going to tell you a story in a little smaller frame than, you know, a campaign in Russia. But it has the same kind of results. So I'm kind of telling the end before I tell uh, the beginning. Go ahead and go to the next slide. <coughs> go ahead and go to the next slide. In any time now, you want to go to the next slide, be, be okay. Hey, there we go. Here's our cast of characters. The man on your left is, as it says, Captain William Fetterman. He was in the U.S. Army uh, in the 1860s. He was in the Civil War, fought in battles, liked fighting. He's a fighting guy, uh, liked going into a fight. Yeah, okay. Um, he will be assigned to a fort out in Wyoming in 1866 after the war. Fort Phil Kearney, not to be confused with Fort Kearney down the road from us by 75 miles. That's a different Fort Kearney. This is Fort Phil Kearney along what at that time was a new wagon road taking you from Nebraska through the corner, northeast corner of Wyoming to Montana, up to the gold camps. So this is a road that takes in people and miners and supplies and all this stuff, uh, okay, fine and dandy. 
and the army built three forts, including Fort Phil Kearney, along that road to protect it from, well, we all know from whom, don't we? From the Indians, who didn't want that road there, didn't want those forts there. This, as far as they were concerned, is their land. So we get, unfortunately for the army, uh, some of the best Lakota leaders ever. And you see two of them here on screen. The one on the right, as it says, is Red Cloud. We have a town in Nebraska named after him. Red Cloud is one of the most extraordinary leaders ever produced by the Lakota. He will, in the course of his military career, accumulate 80 coups. Now, coup may be a new word to you. A coup can be a kill, it can be a scalping, it can be a capture. <clears throat> Several things require bravery. 80. 80 is a lot. If you went through your entire military career as an Indian warrior and you accumulated half a dozen coups, that's really good. Red Cloud has 80. He's one of the most formidable enemies the army in the West will ever face. He's about mid-40s in 1866, kind of on the back end of his career, but he's a great leader, lots of followers, great tactician, and then he's got uh, among his uh, followers a really great up-and-coming warrior you see there in the center. You've probably heard his name before, Crazy Horse. Crazy Horse you may associate with uh, Battle of Little Bighorn, which is uh, uh, 10 years later, 1876, where Custer got his clock clean. There's an overly confident man. In 1866, Fetterman is assigned out to Fort Phil Kearney. He gets out there and he's absolutely appalled by what he sees. Because what he sees is a fort of 300 soldiers who aren't doing anything, it seems to him, to get rid of the Indian problem. He gets out there and he looks around and kind of, what, why are we putting up with what they're doing? Because what they were doing was these Indians under Red Cloud and Crazy Horse and these guys, is they were regularly attacking troops who went out from the fort. If you went out from this fort any distance, good luck. Now look, they had to send out guys from time to time because this fort needs wood. There's no real significant forest close to where the fort's located. They had to send out wood parties to a pine woods about an hour away. That's not that many miles, but an hour away by wagon. <clears throat> Almost every day to cut trees, saws, axes, all this stuff, bring them back to the fort, saw them up. They had a portable sawmill at the fort. They have to go out. And almost every day they went out, and they went out about daily, almost every day they went out, at least one guy would be killed. And Fetterman looks around, why are we putting up with this? Why aren't we doing something about this? Well, the commander thought he was, but he didn't want to initiate a larger conflict than what he was having to deal with. And Fetterman will, within a short period of time, begin to say the phrase you see at the top center on the screen. Give me 80 men, and I will ride through the entire Sioux Nation. Give me 80 men, and I will ride through the entire Sioux Nation. And for six weeks, he's at the fort basically saying the same thing, embarrassing his commander, really was insubordinate, I think. He should have been dealt with, but he wasn't. 
On December 21st, now he's been out there six weeks. On December 21st, a wood party goes out. This is, in fact, it's going to be the last wood party for the season. And then they're going to shut it down and then hunker down for the winter. This is Wyoming, for Pete's sake. <clears throat> they send out the wood party. The usual happens. Attack takes place. Look, this woods is close enough to the fort where you can hear the gunshots off in the distance. So they knew when there was a problem in the fort. Carrington will decide, okay, we've got to send somebody out. And then Fetterman jumps up and says, ooh, 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 pick me. And against his better judgment, Carrington did. Carrington said, get a party, get out there, do what you can. But when you get out there, Captain, make sure you don't go past Lone Trail Ridge. If you go past that ridge, you'll be too far out. We won't be able to give you any support at all. You'll be on your own. And Fetterman says, okay. He then gathers up dozens of infantry, dozens of cavalry, till he has 78 men. But before he leaves the fort, two civilians will volunteer to go with them. Now, quick math says what? 78 and 2 is 80. He's in tall cotton. I got my 80 men. I'm going to ride through the entire Sioux Nation. Before he left the fort, the commander will come out of his house, approach him on his horse, and say, remember, don't go past Lone Trail Ridge. Yes, sir. He has made it out there. We find Indians, the wood party, a few dozen Indians. As soon as this party of 80 shows up, the Indians start retreating, he thought. He thinks, I got this. They're not going to stay for a fight. I'll have to chase them down. And then he starts moving further and further from the fort. And the Indians are planning this whole thing. This is a red cloud thing. This is a red cloud tactician thing. Lure, the, lure these troops as far away from the fort as you can get them. Then, then snap the trap. Crazy Horse is right in the middle of this. Crazy Horse will repeatedly ride toward the soldiers within rifle range, stop, and basically do the equivalent of, come get me. I mean, bullets pinging on the ground all around him. Come get me. At one point, he, get, point he gets off his horse and basically you know, fakes tying his shoe. Bullets pinging all around him. Come and get me. There's another point at which he will pretty much moon these guys. He'll turn around and slap his bare butt and come and get me. And they can't wait to come and get him. What he's doing is luring them further and further and further away. And finally, Fetterman and his men reach the point of Lone Trail Ridge. And he keeps going. That's a mistake. He will get a few more miles down the road, and then the Indians will spring their trap. He will soon find himself and his <clears throat> 80 men surrounded by, wait for it, 2,000 Indians hiding in the tall grass. Now he's in real trouble. The battle that ensues, which is a really pitched battle, 
will go on for 40 minutes. I'm going to talk about 20. So twice as long as I'm going to talk, that's the battle. When you go to 1045 class or 1 o'clock or whatever today, if that class is a 50-minute class and meets the full time, you'll meet in that class longer than this battle took place. Historians estimate in the course of this 40-minute battle, and look, the Indians have guns, but they have bows and arrows, that in 40 minutes, the Indians will launch 40,000 arrows at 80 men. That's 1,000 a minute. That's 15, 16, 17 a second. They don't stand a chance. They're going to get wiped out. Fetterman sees his numbers drop and drop and drop. He knows he's losing. He knows they're all going to die. And then he and his subordinate officer will make a pretty fateful decision. They will both pull their service revolvers, pistols identical to this one. It's a Navy Colt. They will cock their guns, aim at each other's temples, and pull the trigger. They'll kill each other. Um, one thing to be confident, it's another to be overly confident. Fetterman is cocky. And it gets him killed and 80 other good men. Go to the next slide. This is the question. What do you put your confidence in? Yourself? You? You? Who are you? Look, I, I know it, what it is to be young, and believe it or not, you know, I was 21, 50 years ago. I remember what it's like. You feel bulletproof. The world can't touch me. I'm an athlete, for Pete's sake. I'm in great physical condition. What do I need to worry about other than the score of the next game? How well I do at the next meet? I got nothing to worry about. I got all the confidence in the world. You know, eventually all the things in this life you put your confidence in are going to fade or fail. Your youth, your health, relations with other people. Look, things may go well with certain people your entire life. Great. They may not. When I say confident, look, understand I don't just mean what you think you know. If you're confident you're going to go to lunch in the cafeteria, that's not what I'm talking about. What do you put your trust in? Any of these things? All these things, with all these things you run the risk of these failing. Go to the next slide. You know where we're going with this. This isn't a mystery. This isn't a deep chapel. The Bible talks about all kinds, it gives all kinds of examples of what you should really put your confidence in. You put your confidence in God, you put your confidence in the blood of Jesus. Those are the only things that will not fail you in this life. The only things you can consistently, forever, for 71 years or more, put your confidence in. They'll always be there. I'm just saying, look, go to the next slide. Go to the next slide. Put your confidence in the right stuff. Yeah, people to a point yourself to a point, your skills to a point, but ultimately 
the two things you can rely on in this life is not anything physical, but God and his love and the blood of his son. That's all I got. Thanks.